Hello and welcome to the show that hits harder than Bill Elmogeny and has more bite than Luis Suarez at a buffet. This is the Jersnet Podcast. So Rangers pick up a convincing three points at home against Neil McCann's Dundee with Kenny Miller brought back in from the cold in a surprising starting 11. We'll take a look back at all of the big talking points from a performance that wasn't perhaps as comfortable as the scoreline suggests. Also, this was yet another sellout Saturday at Ibrox, but notably there were a few empty seats dotted around the ground, which seemed to get worse as the game went on. We'll take a look at why sold out might still mean a few empty seats. And finally, we're getting the battle fever on as we turn our attention to this week's Scottish Cup showdown at Hampden previewing a potentially massive old firm clash. My name's Ross Bennett, and I'll be your Jersnet host this week. And joining me on the pod, well, we tried to get the two Ronnies, but they haven't been returning my calls recently. So we've got the next best thing. We've got the two Davids, David Fraser and David Tomlinson. Now, David Tomlinson, uh, to stop myself getting tied up in knots here, we've got two Davids. On the Jersnet forum, you go by the name Pete. Is it all right if we use Pete today? Yeah, no problem. Everybody knows me as that anyway, so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be any any different to, to being on the forum. Fantastic. Anyway, Pete, how's your week been? Uh, great. Well, I, I really hate to say it, but we've been basking in the sun here uh, for about three days. Um, when I seen, when I seen the, the weather at Ibrox, everybody complained about the rain, I thought, oh, I really feel a bit guilty here. So, yeah, I even had a barbecue today before, uh, before I started, so I really feel a bit ashamed in saying that. Certainly not be barbecue weather down here in London. David, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks, Ross. Excellent. Right, now, before we go on, it would be wrong of us to ignore the incredibly sad news that's come out this week. On last week's pod, you might, re- might remember that we mentioned Ray Wilkins, who'd suffered a heart attack and was fighting for his life in hospital. Tragically, during the week, Ray lost that fight and he's passed away at the age of 61, which has deeply saddened the entire football community. Ray spent two seasons at Ibrox and will be fondly remembered for a sensational goal against Celtic, as well as a never-say-die attitude that endeared him to the Ibrox faithful. Ray Wilkins also spent many years playing down south and out on the continent and won numerous caps for England. This weekend, we've seen touching tributes taking place at matches all over Europe, showing how respected he was as a player, as a coach and as a man. The thoughts of everyone at Jersnet go out to his family at this very, very difficult time. So with that in mind, let's crack on with the show. Obviously, the main talking point this week was uh, a, a convincing result against Dundee um, at home, picking up three points, a 4-0 win. Uh, although there were some contentious issues before the game even kicked off with what might be described as a slightly surprising starting eleven. Obviously, Josh Windass picked up a knock last time out and there was a void to be filled there. We knew from Graham Murty's pre-match press conference that Windass wasn't going to make the game. So there was a space to be taken. A lot of people might have suggested that Jason Cummings... Maybe he's bided his time enough and would be ready to drop into the starting eleven. But instead, Kenny Miller took his place back in the side after a long absence. Pete, were you surprised by the starting lineup this week? Yeah, well, I was. Uh, I was very surprised because I was really expecting Cummings to come in. And really, if you're uh, not going to play him, uh, then yeah, I'd, I'd actually be surprised if he's here for next season because this was uh, you. You thought Windass out the natural pick would have then been Cummings but uh, yeah and Miller scored so I suppose uh, that he, he, he brought what Murty wanted him to bring but 
you know, was he that great? Because uh, he, he's, we ended up with two men in the midfield, uh, the central midfield, uh, with two two players wide, and they were just getting run over all the time. In my, in my vision, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I I do understand what you mean. It was definitely a surprise to see him coming back in. David, what are your thoughts? Do you think he deserved a, a return to this side? Uh, Kenny Miller? Um, difficult to say, Ross. Um, I, I disagree with, with Pete. Um, I wasn't surprised by Graham Martino altering his formation. Um, and Kenny Miller, I would say, is probably more suited to the the number 10 type role that, that Graham sees Josh Windass playing in. So, um, yeah, Kenny Miller's an experienced player. I think with, a, with one eye on the, the cup semi, I think he thought that he was going to, he was always going to play him from the start yesterday. Yeah, I take your point about Miller being a an experienced guy, especially in that number 10 role. Sometimes, though, it seems that he can't be contained to a single position and, and it's as if Marty's kind of given him free reign to wander wherever he likes. And we saw that again a little bit yesterday, perhaps not as badly as it's been in, in previous matches, but Pete makes a good point. Maybe he was kind of vindicated and justified in, in making that selection when Kenny Miller scored what was a really nice, well-taken goal. Um, but looking at the, the performance more generally, obviously it was a 4-0 win, which, which seems really comfortable on paper. But, you know, for us that watched the game, there were periods of that game when it was was anything but comfortable. Pete, what did you make of the performance? Well, poor. Especially, well, up to about the 60th minute was very poor anyway. Um, we started, uh, as, as I say, we, we started a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one sort of a setup with the Miller. I take it he was supposed to drop, drop deeper. Um and as I said, just said that the two people wide, Candias and uh, Murphy, staying wide. Uh, there were two men in central midfield, virtually, and Dundee started with a three-five-two. So they had five men. So they had three central midfield players, and yeah, Doherty and and Dorrance, they just couldn't cover the ground to to keep up with the with the three men in midfield, and I think that's where. Our, why we lost the control of the midfield really for the long periods of the first half. But then maybe that's the reason that he's decided to bring Miller in instead of Cummings is that he knows Miller would probably be slightly more effective in a deeper position than, than Cummings could be or than Morelos would be. So, you know, we've seen Rangers sides under Graham Murray being dominated in the centre of the park. The first half against Motherwell last week is a, a prime example of us being outnumbered and outmuscled in the middle of the park. So, you know, maybe it was... It was good forward planning from for Murray to bring Kenny Miller in. Yeah, well, I don't think it worked though because because we were getting overrun in the midfield. It was okay when we had the ball going forward, and I think we've got to thank Candias for a lot because he brought some. He gave Miller a chance just before the goal uh, when Miller hit the post, um, and yeah, Murphy obviously coming in from the from wide left uh, set up the goal. But every time we were in defence and in the defensive, and Dundee had the ball, we were just getting run over, and and Dundee were actually lucky, unlucky not to be uh, a goal in front. If uh, was it Musa you call him, didn't put the ball, sky the ball over the bar uh, in the first half, then uh, they could have quite easily been one 0 up. Yeah, that's right. Musa had a couple of really good chances and and 
probably should have done better. And I think we, you know, you got to give Dundee some credit that for that first hour of the game, they did they did play well. They had the game plan, they executed it nicely. David Pete mentions there that the uh, the midfield were being overrun at, at periods of the game. Who impressed you yesterday? I thought the the, the general performance was um, a bit lacklustre. Um, I don't think the formation uh, does uh, the two midfielders any favours whatsoever. Um, I think in particular um, Greg Doherty, he's for a guy that's come in from Hallettenakis, um, Graham Murphy's asking a hell of a lot of the guy, um, especially to uh, the type of role that he, he um, assigns to him in the team, whereby he's he's asked to do the dirty work covering um, for players tracking back and, and shutting down because that's not really Graham Dorns' game, given how slow he is. Um, so um, looking at someone that... that <laughs> They put in a, a good performance yesterday. I think that you can say Daniel Kendias probably merited his, his man of the match performance, but I don't think that says uh, a heck of a lot about the overall standard of the team. Um, I don't think the don't think the performance was was good at all. From, from I think that most players could, with the exception of Kendias, could maybe you know be looking at a five or possibly a six out of ten. Um, there was no real standouts for me. You're a tough man to please. I thought I thought they did they did what they have to do, especially in the second half. They got the job done. Um, Neil McCann has changed that Dundee side around from what they were earlier in the season. Obviously, they got a good result against Celtic last week. Um, I think they're a strong team, and we need to we need to give them some credit and acknowledge that you know we were up against a team with good presence in the midfield. Musa had a decent game. He should have taken a couple more chances than he did. That Rory Deacon that they've got up front is as you know he's, he's meant to have a wee bit about him. So I think whilst it's it's fair to say that uh, you know we were getting dominated a wee bit in the midfield, um, Greg Doherty probably did have his poorest game in a Rangers shirt and, and that's probably because you're right to say David, he's come in from Hamilton Ackies and he's been asked to kind of carry the team at times. Um, so I think to, to say they were fives or sixes other than Daniel Candias is, is perhaps a wee bit harsh in the first half probably not far off but I think the standard definitely picked up towards the end of the game certainly when Dundee had kind of run their legs out but you know whilst we're on Daniel Candias I think he's he had a, a decent game yesterday and he's been outstanding all season perhaps maybe three three or four games in November December time when he dipped a wee bit but for a winger to come in from you know he's, he's been a wee bit of a journeyman he's been knocking around various different leagues around Europe to come in and have the impact that he's had this season in his first season in Scotland has, has been excellent. Pete, where do you think we would be without Daniel Candias this season? Well, I think he's had the most assists in the, in the whole competition. So uh, I think it would be a lot of goals less anyway than, uh, than we've got. Uh, he's, he got a goal yesterday as well. And Murty said in his uh, interview that uh, he, he told Candias that he was had to get into the centre more often so as if, if a ball came from the left that, that he would be at the back post for it and I think that's the thing if, if Murty did tell him that and he did get into the, the, the centres then I, I think that's a good thing and I think it'll help He definitely you know he, he was our most creative player yesterday and and obviously Murray's acknowledged the fact that he needed to come into the centre more and it paid off Obviously, a huge talking point from the game yesterday was uh, was Alfredo Morelos picking up a yellow card. Um, we've discussed the standard of refereeing. We discussed it last week on on the pod. 
um, that in this country the standard of refereeing is poor, is left wanting sometimes. I've never quite seen a booking for a dive where the keeper is left on the floor with what seems to be a busted nose, blood streaming out of him, and yet the referee gives a booking because there was allegedly no contact. David, what are your views on that? In real time, um, where I sit in uh, the govern front, um, it definitely looked like a, a stonewall penalty kick. Um, at the time, uh, as you can imagine, everyone around me was was irate and couldn't believe that the, the referee had given um, the decision he, he'd given, um, especially um, with booking Alfredo Morelos. Having you know, kind of tried to digest everyone's um, irateness round about me, I was thinking to myself, why would the referee give that, possibly give that, or possibly, you know, um, book him? And I was thinking maybe he was coming from the angle of he could have possibly been endangering the, his opponent, I believe in his, his knee in and the goalkeeper. But having seen um, the the replays of it since um, and the confirmation that he's been booked for simulation. Um, it's just it, it, it beggars belief for us to be, to be perfectly frank. I think the, without getting into a big diatribe about the standard of refereeing in this country it's, it's yet another um, example of how um, inept refereeing is in the Premier League in Scotland. Yeah, spot on. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're right to bring up the fact that maybe the referee could have could have flashed the card because the striker's left his leg in, looking for the foul, looking to be tripped up, so he's left a trailing leg there to be caught. But you see the speed that the boy's running at. I mean, Morelos is really going through the gears. There's no way that he's had any time to think about leaving a back leg to you know leaving a trailing leg to be caught and taken down. So the, you're right; it's, it's confirmed the bookings for simulation. The referee, in his haste to book Morelos, has had to run past the keeper lying on the floor in a pool of blood. He runs past that and sees it and still books the guy for a simulation because there was no contact. And that leaves Morelos facing a suspension. He's going to miss a game in two weeks' time, I think it is. So, Pete, how big a miss is that going to be? Well, the way it's looking, or the possibility is it's going to be against Celtic. So, well, he would certainly be a big miss. And he's your, your, your top goal scorer. Um, so we're going to be missing our top goal scorer against probably Celtic, and which is a, a shame. And I don't, I don't really know. Well, I suppose will Cummings come in? Will we'll come in, and or Miller will get put up front? But yeah, I don't really have an awful lot of hope that, that they'll put in three or four goals. Miller, yeah, he can put in one, maybe two at the most. But uh, the, the way our defence uh, is playing, the I think we'll need more than one or two. So, but yeah, it's going to be a big miss. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it, it, it's kind of laughable that if uh, if Morelos is going to be missing for the game against Celtic in, in a few weeks' time after this, this is going to be uh, Morelos missing against a club that actually released a film called Anyone But Celtic because they thought that referees were so against them. But there we go, that's fine. Obviously, yesterday was a you know a good result for us, picking up three points at home. Home form this season has been shocking. Um, but, but the result was probably even more significant because we've seen Hibs and Aberdeen both drop points yesterday. I think Aberdeen lost and, and Hibs had a really, really late equaliser against Ross County. 
So David, what does this mean for us kind of going into the split and, and the last few games of the season? If there's any coincidence derived from the results yesterday, I think it'd be false dawn, to be perfectly honest, Ross. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that uh, going into the last five games of the season, a lot will, a, a lot will hinge on the Cup semi next um, next weekend. If, as I suspect, may well turn out to be the case that we, we don't progress to the final, I think um, if you thought the, the atmosphere and the, um, the lack of a, a full crowd yesterday um, was an indication of fan apathy. I think you'll see the gates dwindling even further for the last five games. Um, on the playing front, um, if Rangers can get a result against Celtic in the Cup semi, then you can basically turn that assessment on its head. And I think that they'll, they could go on and, and rack up um, a good number of points in the final games of the season um, whether they can keep Aberdeen and Hibs at bay remains to be seen obviously but the, the split fixtures haven't been released yet but it's looking like we'll, we'll need to go to Petodre again um, Hibs may well need to come to Ibrox but um, in the case of Hibs I think given um, the Neil, the Neil Lennon's their manager I think he, he definitely um, fires them up and both uh, managers you could argue, especially Neil Lennon um, they've got the the measure of Graham Murphy and his formation um, I went to the, the game at Easter Road in December and the result flattered Rangers um, Hibs could have quite easily um, scored four goals that night um, and it wouldn't have flattered them um, given that the defending, the standard of defending in the first half in particular was, was pretty poor. In the second half, it was, it was slightly better. And uh, the last game at Ibrooks, um, yet again, um, Hibs uh, had had the measure of um, of Graham Martin. It's, it's again, I, I hate to repeat myself, but it's it's largely down to, to Graham's formation and his his unwillingness to deviate from it. Um, you know, he settled on this uh, 4-2-3-1 formation and he doesn't seem to want to alter it. Whether he alters that next week and going forward into the final league games, I don't know, but um, I guess that will uh, reveal itself in good time. Yeah, I think you're probably right saying that Neil Lennon has has kind of sussed out what Graham Murphy offers and what he can what he can get the team to do, but where yeah, that's probably the opposite of that is is with Derek McInnes, who you know he cannot buy a win against a, a a decent club this season. You know he's not beaten us, he's not beaten Celtic, he's not beaten Hearts, and they took a you know a, a real difficult performance for them yesterday against Hearts by all accounts. So I think yesterday actually the results could be really significant. Pete, what do you reckon about yesterday's results? Do they kind of tighten the grip on second place or do you reckon that we could still be finishing as low down as fourth? Well, yesterday's results certainly helped us. Um, I, I think we, I, I still think we can, I mean, Hibs, we really got on top of them at the end of the game uh, the last time. So, well, they dominated us in the, at the start, we, we really get back into the game and at the end up we were actually unlucky not to win. So I, I don't know. I don't think we should be as frightened as Hibs as we really should. We just need to play our best. But I really think Murty needs to. He needs to get away from having the midfield, especially against Hibs, because the mid, Hibs have got a really strong midfield, and there's no way that uh, 
just uh, Doherty and Dorans are going to are going to fill that gap against uh, against Hibs, and that's uh, that's Hibs' non way of also get three central midfielders, and they really work hard uh, in the in the midfield. So I think that's for me. Murty's uh, midfield uh, setup. He's got to change it. Otherwise, we're just going to keep running against the lamppost. No, I think that's that's a fair criticism, absolutely. But, you know, we have to think, obviously, we get a, a lot of criticism where he's been taken over the past few weeks and, and the result yesterday's not done a great deal to kind of soothe that for the guy. But Marty's a, a very inexperienced manager by his own, you know, his own acknowledgement. This is his first big managerial job. Yeah, but and Ross, you, you can you can see it, and I can see it, and and forty nine thousand people in the terraces can see it. Why can't Murty see it? No, absolutely. And the point I'm trying to make is that we brought in Jimmy Nickel to try and help this guy out, to give a bit of experience, and to to bring a toughness to the club, to to make tough decisions, and to go up against Murray to support him, but also challenge him to do the right thing. So while Graham Murray's taken a lot of flack for not changing anything, for playing the same formation week after week, for not making substitutions till the 75th minute, and when he does, they're often bizarre substitutions to make. Do these questions not need to be also thrown at Jimmy Nicol, or because he's assistant manager, does he kind of sail under the radar? Well, obviously, I, I don't know what the, the relationship is between uh, Murty and Jimmy Nicol. Uh, the, the players seem to love Jimmy Nicol, and but... I, I don't know whether he's picking the team or not or giving advice on, on, on what the, the team should be. So, yeah, I can't really answer that. But is what I can only answer and what I see. And every week, Murty is running into the same problem. Rangers are running into the same problem. And and it's just getting overrun in midfield. Kilmarnock done it to us. Motherwell done it to us. Uh, Dundee done it to us yesterday for parts of the game. Although I think they end up uh, class of player told against uh, Dundee. We just had better players than they had. It's as simple as that. But uh, if, if you get any hard-working team with a good midfield and a good defence and they work really hard putting in tackles, crunching tackles like Hibs do, because uh, let's face it, we need a referee on our side as well uh, against them, then it's, it is easy just to put a bank of five and a bank of four and, and get a result. And that's what teams are doing to us. I take the point, but I think there has to be some kind of acknowledgement to the degree of injuries that we've suffered this season, particularly in centre midfield, where we've been really, really badly damaged throughout the course of the season with, in particular, two long-term injuries to, to Graham Dorrance, who's just on his way back, and to Ryan Jack as well. And also we missed um, Ross McCrory for, for a good spell there, who'd done a, done a job in midfield. David, thinking about Ryan Jack in particular, how different do you think this season could have panned out if he'd been available all those weeks? Um, Ryan Jack... Uh... In the early part of the season, I thought Ryan Jack stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, he's a decent player, Ryan Jack. I think there's more to come from him. Um, I think the I take your point that the you know there's there's been long term injuries which have materially affected the the season. There's no doubt about that. I think you can you can embellish that further by saying that had we um, appointed a, a manager. Um, it was proven, or certainly experienced. Um, the league title challenge may well have been a genuine one, and may well have went into the the, the post split games. Um, just to, to go back to the to the Dundee um, game, uh, Dundee for for me yesterday watching watching the the players um, 
on display for Dundee. Glenn Kambara uh, in the middle of the park and, and Rory Deacon. Um, he was playing a like number 10 kind of role. He would often drop back to, to Mark uh, Kenny Miller. Um, Simon Murray and uh, Safin Musa. Um, all these guys played a reasonable game for, for Dundee. But it's interesting to, to know what type of football and what level of football these guys have came from. Um, Glenn Kamara, uh, when he was starting out, um, he was in Arsenal's books, but we let go by Arsenal without making any first-team appearances. Um, went to Southend United and, and Colchester United before Dundee um, snapped him up. Similarly with, with Rory Deacon, he started off at Arsenal, um, got let go, went to Sunderland, made no appearances in the first team then, um, played with Stevenage and, and Crawley Town and then last season he was playing with Sutton United so that's a non-league team um, Safian Musa he, he was latterly playing um, with a team that got relegated out of the, the Bulgarian top flight so these players stuck out like a sore thumb for me yesterday playing for Dundee um, and when you, you boil it all down the, the level of player that you're, that's coming up against the Rangers team and looking, looking pretty good doesn't have a very high standard and I think that reflects the uh, on Rangers um, to get back to what you were saying there about, about Ross Jack and, and the absentees um, I, I, get, I come back to the formation I think that the, for a start Rangers are limited with the, the quality of player they've got I don't think they would hear too many people that would say no these guys are you know are world beaters um, Obviously, you know, as a fan, I want them all to do well. I want the manager to do well. I want every single player that pulls a blue shirt on and runs around the park, I want them to all do well. I'm not willing them to fail by any manner of means. But I think we've got to have a, we've got to be realistic here and say that the, the level of player isn't what Rangers require to, to go forward. I mean, to, to embellish my point here, let's say, for instance, that this season had went quite well and we can take took the, the title challenge in the last couple of games of the season. It goes either way. We're, you know, on the back of maybe one result, whether it be against Celtic pre-split or Celtic post-split, or maybe even uh, Aberdeen or Hibs, that maybe missed out in the, in the title by, let's say, four or five points. That could then lull the fans, and hopefully not the, the management, and a full sense of security and say that but we've, we've arrived. We don't really need to, to spend that much money to, to make a an impact in Europe without embarrassing ourselves. I think if you looked at it in the cold light of day, um, some of these players, are, would, you know, I would be really, really frightened going into Europe um, with this squad of players unless next season, you know, the, the club management, i.e., the board, get serious about actually investing in the, in the playing squad. Well, I think it's a, I think that's a fair point. But would you not acknowledge that things, especially since January and the January transfer window, are moving in the right direction on that front? I think the caliber of player that were brought in in January, you know, Greg Doherty was spoken about who possibly not so much this week, but has really impressed in his short time at Rangers so far. Even more so, Jamie Murphy, um, and you can kind of see the intention behind a signing like Jason Cummings. Does that not suggest that the board and the club know they need to invest and they need to be spending money? Um, because you know the the boards are going to be just as as sick of losing the Celtic and and early humiliating European results as the rest of us. Um, I don't I don't see Jamie. Look, Jamie Murphy's a he's a decent player. Graham Graham Dons is a decent player. Jason Cummins, I think. Um, don't forget, Jason Cummins. Um, whenever he's raving about his his performances, he was playing in the the first division. Um, 
he's not played any football at all in the Premier League. He's been down to Nottingham Forest, and by all accounts, couldn't cut it. Um, and that might be a reflection on Mark Warburton's man- management at, at Forest. But I don't think you can talk these players up too much. I think that they're a step in the right direction, I'll grant you that. But um, I still think there's a there's a shortfall in quality. When you see there that there's been a, a gradual improvement since since the turn of the year, that's that's undoubted. I couldn't argue with that. But you've got to then temper that with saying, well, hold on a minute, we're playing against Partick Thistle. Um, we're playing against Fraserburgh and Air United in the Cup. Um, we're playing against Hamilton Ackies. So you're, you're playing against... Um, the standard of teams that you're coming up against aren't exactly... I mean, they're not pulling up any trees, let's be honest. Um, when they came out against teams who were well-organised and were, were a manager that knew how to set a team up, i.e. Kilmarnock, Hibs uh, and Celtic, then they came unstuck. And I think that um, lays bare what state Rangers are in. Can I say something, Ross? I've, I've, I've watched now uh, Dorans in the beginning of the season and he played last week and he played yesterday. And... They, the whole game was he was nearly in a, a holding midfield role and I just haven't seen him playing a half decent game in that holding midfield role yesterday when Halliday came on he got pushed forward and he was like a different player he took a grip of the game and it was a wee bit the same against the, the, the mother of the game before when he put when, when Dorns get pushed forward uh, Rangers started to play better in the second half uh, against Motherwell and then I just wonder why are we starting keep making the same mistakes week after week after week? I just don't understand why Murty has not seen this. Yeah, no, I think very, very valid points. Um, and you can you can talk about limited team selection or limited options due to injury all you like, but I think February aside, Murty's tenure can be kind of seen and, and summed up. If you're being kind, you could sum it up as being naive. And if you weren't being kind, you could sum it up as being stubborn and unwilling to change things. And it's, I think it's clear to everyone now that, that Graham Marty really shouldn't be a long-term answer. And that's that's not a slight against the guy. I think, by all accounts, he's a, a great guy to talk to, a really nice guy. But we don't need a nice guy at this point. I think we all kind of acknowledge now we need to be getting in someone with experience, with a bit of grit, with a bit of fight in him. Someone that's not afraid to change things up and you just have to hope that the board are, are on board with that and are aware of how the fans are feeling on that front because the fans have perhaps been taken for granted before and we don't want it to happen again. The next topic is a real kind of bugbear of mine, something that, that frustrates me almost every time I see it. And I'm going to caveat this by by starting off the, the chat by saying this is not a dig at any Rangers fan. I would never think myself so highly that I could ever slag off any Rangers fan for how they want to support the team. I think we have, without question, the most loyal, the most passionate supporters, certainly in the country. We must be up there in the whole world. How many clubs across the world can do what we did and drop down to the fourth tier and pack that stadium out week after week after week? The only time I ever dipped was when there was a wee boycott against the owners um, to get the spivs out. So I think the support of Rangers fans has never been in question. But once again, we were told that the game against Dundee was sold out. And I was watching the game on on Rangers TV. I live down here in London, so I was watching the game on TV. And I noticed 
I thought, I thought it was quite obvious, quite apparent that there were a, a large number of empty seats. I kind of estimated it at around about five or 6,000 empty seats, probably from, from the camera shots that I could see. So if the game's been sold out, Pete, how is it that we've got these empty seats knocking around? Well, obviously, the, the there's so many season tickets sold and the board or, or the Rangers, they can only count seats that are the, the, they've sold and a season ticket's been sold. So they've got to count the bodies. They obviously don't know whether somebody's going to turn up in the day or not turn up in the day. There is a scheme that you can call the club and ask them to sell your ticket. But... Uh, yeah, they, they, they can't, they, they don't know who's going to turn up and not, who's not going to turn up. And a lot of people, yeah, if, if there's two drops of rain, they, 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 they say, uh, oh, I'm not going to go today because it's going to rain. And that's just the way it is. And especially the cold days, then uh, there's a lot of people just think, oh, we're playing Dundee today. Uh, I think I'll just stay at home. It's unfortunate, but I'm afraid that's the way it is. And I don't think we're the only club that's got that. I think every club's got it. No, I think you're right. And, and every club probably does have it. I know you're you're like myself. We don't live in Scotland, um, so you're probably like me in that it seems a little bit alien that if you could get to the game and you wouldn't get to the game, why would you not go? But David, in your opinion, do you think fans are are justified in in buying a season ticket? Obviously, you know if you buy a season ticket, go to as many or as few games as you like to. Do you think fans are justified in in kind of staying away at this point because of the maybe the football that's been on display so far? They're not content with the management system. Yeah, I well. Like you, Ross, I'd be loath to criticise any Rangers supporter because of um, the loyalty that the support uh, at large has, has displayed, especially season ticket holders. Um, they've, they've kept the club uh, running for the best part of six years since uh, administration. So um, I think that they see a lot, in the eyes of a lot of them, um, I think the season's gone for them. I don't think that the the... I don't think that they view the, the remaining games of the season with any real degree of hope. Uh, I think that's a lot to do with how the team plays. Um, and the the stayaways, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, Pete mentioned there about the, the secondary ticket scheme. Um, I don't know how much um, the club rebates you back on a ticket, but that may well have something to do with it. But um, I think it's... Yesterday, um, I noticed that uh, the amount of empty seats, so there wasn't any really big banks of uh, empty seats, but they certainly with interspersed with you know, people that were actually sat in their seats. I would estimate the, the, the attendance yesterday to be maybe around about 42,000. I would, I would go further than what you, you reckon, because um, where I sit, I can obviously I can view the, the main stand. Um, and since I've seen the, the, the highlights of the, of the game back, um, usually the the, the the fans that sit in the govern stand, that, that tends to be the, the kind of diehard stand of the, the ground, if you like, that followed by the, the, the Copeland. Um, but there was lots of empty seats. So I can only imagine that the, the top tier of the govern, there'd be, there'd be quite a number of absentees. Um, can I blame them? No, not at all. It's, I think the... I think the, the standard of football, um, the fact that the, you know the season the season is is largely gone in terms of the league, um, I think that basically explains it away, unfortunately. I think that's that's fair, but 
you know, the game was was advertised, obviously, as sold out because you've got all your season ticket seats that have sold. And then there's a limited number of non-season ticket seats that are, you know, available for purchase prior to the game. The game was sold out a number of days before the game actually took off, uh, kicked off. So that that kind of suggests that there's more demands than we've been able to supply there. David, do you think the club needs to be doing more to kind of push this secondary ticketing thing? Um, I, I don't know, Ross. I, I, again, as I say there, I don't know um, what uh, levels of eBay you get back in your ticket. Where I sit, um, certainly a couple of seasons ago when I was, you know, when it was uh, uppermost in my mind, I think you, you get something back like a fiver um, for uh, tickets that may well have been priced round about um, eighteen to twenty pounds, and that could be. That could have been when uh, we were playing in the in the first division. Um, the Premier League, it may well be, you know, adjusted um, to a, a greater level. Um, but I, I, I don't know, Ross. I mean, it's, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. The, the, as Pete says, the, the the club have obviously got to um, release figures um, to the police and. Uh, the stewarding operation um, and I, th- I think I'm right in saying that they've, they've got something like 43,000 season ticket holders so um, they've got to count them no matter what and I don't think it's a case of that you know they're, they're, uh, they're wanting to be underhand with the, with the attendance figures to artificially boost how well received they are like some other clubs in the country um, the yeah the, the, the secondary ticket stuff I don't know how how manageable that is. The the, the demand um, for tickets, I mean, I, I'll be brutally honest here, I am, and I don't think I'm alone here, I'm finding Donny Ibrox a bit of a chore these days. Um, it's been like that for for quite a, quite a while. Um, so, um, I, I, I don't know what, what the club can really do, Ross, other than, than put a team in the park with, with good, exciting players. I uh, know, a fair point. Um, the other thing that, that bugs me, and, and Pete, I'm sure it will bug you the same. Like I say, you know, we, we don't live in Scotland and we kind of come over on a more occasional basis to see the games. So when I go to a game, it would, you know, other than an occasion when if we were sort of really heavily losing, it would never really cross my mind to leave the park before 90 minutes has gone, before the final whistle, especially in a game like yesterday when we're, 4-0 up and actually that you know a lot, a lot of fans yesterday will have missed Daniel Candace's goal and it was actually noticeable that the stands were half empty at that point so is it you know is it just a case of people are trying to beat the traffic and get a, you know get away before the rush commences is that justified as well you know people calling the subway loyal these guys that will that'll get out of the stadium five or ten minutes early to to beat the queue at the subway is it justified in doing that when the especially when the team's put on a good performance that perhaps deserves you know a bit of applause at the end well it's uh there is a logical point to it that if, if you leave that 10 minutes early then you're first on the subway you're home for probably about or i go to kelvin grove so i would probably get home before five o'clock whereas if you wait to the crowds there then uh then probably you're probably talking about uh, half past five so there is a logical point to it uh, I wouldn't. I don't like doing it. I, I certainly don't do it. Uh, I come out and I look at the subway crowd and I think, well, 
if I go to Partick, then I'm going to go into the pub for a pint. So why don't I just go into Loudoun's for a pint? And I go into Loudoun's for a pint and I wait till the, the subway's uh, clear and then I go home. But yeah, that obviously costs money. Not everybody, not everybody's got the money to do that. A lot of them spent their, their money on the, the pie and the, the bridies. Although I would suggest that the pint in the Loudoun's is better than the pie and the, and the Bovril uh, eyebrows. Um so I can see the point of it, and it's the same. Uh, same if you've got a car. Uh, I mean, you know, trying to get away from Ibrox uh, in the car uh, along the Paisley Road West when everybody's leaving at the same time is murder. I can understand that, but yeah, I, I, I prefer that wee bit of loyalty and giving the, the players loyalty to the end. And funny enough, I heard a, a, a story years ago, um, and it's, since we're talking, also had about Ray Wilkins was the five-one game against uh, Celtic when we beat them five-one. Uh, I heard that the the Green Brigade were at the top of the stairs and telling everybody to get back to their seat. They wouldn't let they weren't letting them leave. That we're not the only club that does it, and yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a shame. But and I think people should be a wee bit loyal and just stay in their seats, watch the game. Yeah, that's, that's my thoughts exactly. David, what about you? What are your thoughts on, on leaving five or ten minutes early to beat the crowd? Um, I, I don't. Uh, I, I stay to 90 minutes um, for my sins, Ross. Um, again, um, there's, there's two ways you can look at this. You can either look you know, the three of us and say, no, nah, we should stay at the end. You should clap the, clap the guys off for, for their efforts. Um, I think if <laughs> all things being equal, if if it was a scintillating display of exciting football, um, if you're watching genuine quality players, I think people would be more inclined to to stay right to the very end. I think when you when you're when you're watching um, the, the type of fear that Rangers are, are currently serving up, um, and I'm not I'm not going overboard and, and, and being critical of them. I'm just talking about where where we generally are. The, the, the fans are long suffering. Um, and you know, I kind of a four 0 result, which let's be honest, flowers Rangers yesterday. Um, I think that I, I couldn't point the finger at, at people that want to leave early. I, I, having said that, there's been times when I've been I've been sat uh, in the ground when games are in the balance, with maybe ten minutes to go, uh, where we're either you know. Maybe a goal up and hanging on with my fingernails, given how rope we are at the back, uh, or we're maybe going, we're going to try and get an equaliser, we're going to try and get a winner, and you see streams of people that are, that are leaving. And in times gone past, I would have labelled them glory hunters and you know fans that come along with with, with David Murray and, and and the like. But um, yeah, I, I, I stay to the end and. Rightly or wrongly, I feel it's my duty to stay at the end. And you know, if if, if players have played well and, and they've tried their hardest, then I, I want to clap them. I, I want to see what happens at the end of the game because sometimes, um, sometimes there's maybe a, con- a bit of contentious um, goings on during the game with, with maybe refereeing decisions, and you want to see whether you know, you know hypothetically whether the manager comes out of the park and, and and queries a decision or something, or maybe you know the captain and senior players maybe ask. The officials moment on during that um, passage of play, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with I, I'm with you and uh, Pete, and I stay for ninety minutes, and I, I think that's the right thing to do. Absolutely, and look again, just just to say, 
you know, this is a this is a topic that that hopefully a lot of listeners will have a have an opinion on. Um, so it'd be great to kind of generate some discussion around this. Obviously, you can log on to the Chairsnet forum and let us know your views on that, um, on if it's right or wrong to stay to the final whistle. If you can justify leaving ten minutes early, should you do so? Look, just to say again, this is not me thinking I have a divine right to have a go at any Rangers fan, especially after what we've all been through. You know, we all want the same thing. We're all supporting the same team. This is not me having to go at any Rangers fan or how anyone wants to support the team. It's just me living down down in London. I don't get to go to Ibrox every other week. I don't get to sit in that stadium for 90 minutes every other week. So when I'm there, I'm, I just I just want to cherish every single moment of it. Thankfully, I've not been there recently for a, a really heavy defeat. So that's just the way I see it. And, and you know, I watched the uh, the Arsenal-Southampton game on, on the telly today. And hell, as long as we're not in Arsenal's position, the, the crowds that they're struggling to get at the minute, then then that's fine by me. Can I just come in in, in, in that? Uh, I was going to uh, make the point. If, looking at, uh, if you watch Aberdeen against Ross County on a Friday night, the, if you look at the camera angles, it, it covers all, almost three quarters of the, of the stadium. And there's nobody. You don't see anybody. You hear noise in the background, but you don't see anybody. And I've often wondered, all these empty seats, where, where were the people that, that have been sitting there? And I'm sure, see, when they dig up uh, Pataudry, when if they go to a new stadium, I'm sure they're going to find fossils there, uh, supporters from years gone by. Okay. They've been bored to tears, bored to tears from uh, watching Aberdeen. No, that's, that's definitely a fair point, and there's a wider conversation to be had about the kind of dying state of affairs in, in Scottish football, which is being borne out by dismal attendances and you're right you know you do you watch Aberdeen Ross County you see pictures of it on the telly or on YouTube after the games and things like that and it is it's frankly embarrassing that, that clubs are kind of struggling to get 1500 maybe 2000 fans at a game in, in the SPL right great stuff guys what I know sorry sorry Ross just to, to come in this might be pertinent another thing to mention um, well this is Rangers draw uh, the support from all four corners of uh, the British Isles um, and a lot of buses, you know, are, are travelling to to the likes of Wick. Um, certainly down to Stranraer to get the the ferry across to to Northern Ireland. Um, also down south, you know, to England. So I think you've got to factor some of that into it. Um, that the fans need to get away. And then, as Pete rightly says, I mean, if you're if you're travelling away from Ibrox by car or but you know on road, um, it's one of the worst grounds in Scotland to get away from um, so I think that, that's something that we need to, to factor into the discussion Yeah absolutely hands up that is a, that's a cracking point I never really thought of that the, the guys that have got to you know head off to, to catch a bus or a, a you know a, a ferry back over to Northern Ireland or the guys that have got to catch a plane I think it's a really good point Right what we're going to do we're going to move on um, and we're going to look ahead to what is going to be a momentous weekend for us in uh, in the Scottish Cup, we're we're back at Hampton this weekend, Sunday kickoff against Celtic. Now we've all kind of had a wee uh, discussion, a wee bit of a dig at Graham Murray and his, his team selection sometimes, his, his tactics. So, David, we're facing up against Celtic yet again at Hampton on Sunday. Tell us the team you'd pick. Oh, put me on the spot. Uh, right off the top of my head. Um, you go with Wes and goal. Um, back line of James Tavernier. Uh, oh, Bruno Alves. Uh, in fact, no, let me 
let me start again. Um, Backline, James Tavernier, Russell Martin on the right-hand side, Bruno Alves on the left-hand side, Declan John. Um, assuming that Graham's going to go with his, his trusted formation and assuming that Ross McCrory's fit, um, Ross McCrory would play uh, as a defensive midfielder. Um, I think he may well drop Greg Doherty. Um, so that would be McCrory, Dorans, um, Candice on the right-hand side, Jamie Murphy, the team basically picks itself. I think Kenny Miller will play, assuming that, that Josh Windus uh, is injured and unfit and Alfredo Morales will be up top on the bench. Um, I think you'll see Jason Cummins, obviously. I think you'll see Greg Doherty, assuming he doesn't make the start in 11. You may well see um, Jason Holt and Sean Goss and you might see Fabio Cardozo and uh, Michael Allen if that's is that seven or eight what did I say there and uh, Jack Anik the goalkeeper so uh, you can maybe take away Michael Allen out of that but Fabio Cardozo will definitely um, probably factor in somewhere whether that's the team that I would go with I, mm, I don't know I think that's the team that might well start a match that's a shame no place for Lee Hodson then <laughs> I'll crack the jokes uh, anyway, you can disagree with that. Well, I, I personally, I would uh, I would go with a three-five-two and put in uh, Martin uh, McCrory in the centre, and then to the left, put in uh, Alves, uh, and then I would actually I would go with uh, Andy Halliday because uh, he hates Celtic and. He actually played well yesterday. He changed sort of a change of team when he came on yesterday. Uh, so yeah, I think I would. I would definitely. I think the rest is, is, is sort of a, the same. Uh, the reason I want to go three five two is I think our wingers are, are, are back. Sorry, they're, they're well. They, they get well forward, and and I think we should give them the chance to get forward. Give them a wee bit extra cover at the back, and I think we should exploit that instead of sort of a. Moaning at Tavernier for not getting back uh, when when he's when he's busted a gut to try and get forward. You mentioned earlier, Pete, that that Candace has been our our top assist maker, and I think it's it's quite widely accepted that Jamie Murphy's done well with assists and goals since he's come in. You're saying you'd drop them for the semi final? Yeah, uh, well, I've never thought who, I would need to work, work out who was going forward, but I would put Halliday in. Uh, then you know, so you've got the the the, the midfield would then be Tavernier. Uh, Halliday well I think you've got Jeff Dorns in there hopefully going forward uh, so you, you would probably leave you with a, with, with Candias or, or Murphy because I, th- I think Kenny Miller's going to play whether, whether we like it or not I certainly wouldn't play him I'd rather have Murphy in but uh, they probably could Cardoso yeah he hasn't played a lot that's the that's thing you would need to you would, you would need to uh, if you're going to play him He's not had a lot of games, so I don't think you could put him into the back three. And then you could move him, uh, instead of Halliday, you could move McCrory up front, or forward, sorry. But it's difficult. It's a difficult one. I certainly wouldn't play uh, Dorans and Doherty in a two-man midfield. I think that's pretty sure. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair point. Um so David Peake there seems to be kind of advocating a, a pretty big change of uh, change of setup, change of style. Do you think a big change is needed to beat Celtic, or, or do you think Graham Murray has a way of doing it? 
Um, well, the lineup that I, I gave to you there, uh, Ross, I think that's how Graham Murty will play. There's not really a lot of evidence to suggest that he'll deviate from it. I mean, even going back to when he played at Parkhead um, between Christmas and New Year uh, and last season, um, he broadly played the same um, basic formation. I mean, he, he, he tinkered with it when he, when he, when Clint Hill um, scored and got the get a one-one draw last season. But basically, it was just, it was a similar type of setup in the middle of the park. So, I think what Pete's saying there that you know a three-five-two that's a decent shout. Um, how you factor uh, Jamie Murphy and Daniel Candice into that, I'm not too sure. Because um, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to drop these guys. Um, I just, uh, I don't know where he beats them. I think this, his chance to to upset the apple cart, if you like, and I'd give Brendan Rodgers and, and the Celtic players something to think about was was obviously a few weeks back, and the. And they, they didn't take advantage of the situation that they found themselves in. Um, Kenny Miller, uh, he's obviously he's, he's got a knack of scoring in these games. Um, it could well be his, his last Tarana Rangers jersey because he's, he's obviously come out in the, uh, after yesterday's game and said that he, he intends to continue playing next season, whether that's for Rangers or not. He's, he wants to keep on playing. So... Um, I can I can understand why Pete would say no, I don't want Kenny Miller playing. Um, but on the flip side of that, his record in the old firm game speaks for itself. He's got an of scoring against Celtic, so um, I think it's you, Rangers are such that you need all players playing in the top of their game, um, and we need the manager to be in the top of his game. Um, I still think there's a stubborn streak in the guy. I, I think he's. The echoes of uh, Mark Warburton's reign at the club uh, are ringing loud and clear where Graham's concerned because he seems to to be very dogmatic uh, and he's how he views the, how the, the team should be playing. And he doesn't seem to deviate from it. He's, as you have alluded to there, he, he doesn't seem to want to make any um, proactive changes um, in terms of reacting to a situation that, that's, that's been faced in the park. Um, so it, it doesn't seem to alter um, formation. Um, it does. It, it, it does with personnel up to a point. Um, obviously, the, the substitutions can be tend to be late in the day. Um, other than he made, he made a substitution earlier on in the second half yesterday. Um, but I, I, I struggle to see where he's going to change it. Ross. No, absolutely. I think it's that's a fair point. Look, for me, there are ways to beat them. Um, and, and teams like Hearts have shown how they can be beaten this season. I think it's all about getting the ball down and running at their centre-backs who tend to panic and, and are always prone to a howler or two. So I think there's ways of doing it. Um, for me, it's a game I'd love to see. I've spoken about this before on the pods and on, in the times that we've spoken between ourselves. I'd love to see Morelos and Cummings given a chance together. Um, and I think, you know, if we leave out Kenny Miller, this is a game where... Uh, Morelos can use his skills with his back to goal where he, his hold-up play I think at times can be superb and he does okay at bringing other players into the game so if we can get Morelos dropping slightly deeper receiving the ball back to goal and playing Jason Cummings in you know Cummings then to run at defence and, and and take a shot there's there's a chance there for me you could you could never drop 
Jamie Murphy or Daniel Candias who have been our best two creators. I think, you know, Candias is, is his ball into the box, his delivery is usually, you know, top class. As seen again yesterday, you know, he, he played a lovely pass into to Morelos for an easy tap-in. And I think Jamie Murphy always has the, you know, there's, there's periods of the games when he can go quiet, but he's always got the potential to um, kind of pop up out of nowhere with a really lovely goal like he did against Motherwell. You know, he kind of, he takes the ball in, cuts in on his right foot and he's got a really decent finish on him. So I think I think there's ways of doing it. It's just, you know, we've mentioned before, we need a little bit of luck. We need a referee that doesn't crumble under what's going to be a really tense and, and spiteful atmosphere, I'm sure. They're going to look to be physical and to put it about and, and to get in the referees here early on. So hopefully we can do the same thing. We can kind of match that physicality and and and, and rise to the occasion. You're he, going to have you're going to have uh, Brown, Arm, uh, Rogic, and Adi, Adi, the, the 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 guy that plays for Scotland. I'm hopeless with names. Tonight. Um, you're going to have these three in the midfield, and they're all runners. Uh, so. I, I, I don't know if keeping two two players out wide is the way to go. That's a, I think I think we're going to be walking into a trap if we do that because they're going to have the three in the midfield and they're just going to keep running through us all the time. And the, the game at Ibrox there um, in the first half, um, the way Rogers set up their midfield, sometimes they'd um, they'd six in the middle of the park because Tom Rogic um, was playing as a almost like a number 10 kind of straight, uh, almost like a support striking role when they, they had the ball going forward um, in Moussa Dembele um, and the amount of times that um, Tom Rogic picked the ball up in the first half with literally no one anywhere near him he, I mean, he had 10 yards of space in any direction round about him if, um, if that stuff tends to happen again allied to the fact that maybe Rangers don't get a quick a, a quick goal I think we could win for a long afternoon chaps yeah absolutely I mean this is I think this is a massive game for us because this is our last chance certainly and it's kind of the penultimate game for them where we can stop what's going to, you know, kind of being talked as the, the double treble obviously they won the treble last season they've won the League Cup already this season they've, they've wrapped up the league early on this season so this is our last chance certainly to, to stop a double treble buttering the fact that they might get might get beaten if they get to the final as well. So, David, how significant is that? How significant is it to, to stop a double treble, which is, you know, it's, it's kind of unprecedented and unheard of and and would certainly be lauded in the, the Scottish media? I think it's imperative that um, we we get a result to stop the double treble because um, since we've had our problems, they've, they've obviously um, racked up some... Um, some records which you know will always be thrown in our faces. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's imperative we get a result. I just I just hope that everyone from, from the management through the coaching staff to the players um, rise to the occasion. Um, I, I've could, despite what I've said there, you know that, that I'm, I'm kind of fairly apprehensive about it. Um, I think the boys might do it. Like the, They've got it all to do. It's going to be a hard game. Um, I hark back to the, the cup semi in 2016. We went into that, and despite you know a lot of people trying to talk up our chances you know, and falsely inflate our chances, um, the boys put on a, a good performance that day. Albeit you could temper that and say, "Well, Celtic could have scored two 
um, two or three goals in the first 20 minutes that day. Um, so, uh, yeah, what, what you say there, Ross, if we've got a little bit of luck, I lied to everybody being um, at it uh, and putting on the, the best performances. And players, uh, the senior players, and I, I, I'd look to certainly Russell Martin if he plays, Bruno Alves if he plays, um, although yesterday, given the fact that he was, he was on the subs bench, might point to the fact that he might not start. Um, Graham Dorans and if, assuming Kenny Miller um, is going to be playing from the start, you're looking to these guys and probably James Tavernier as well and Jamie Murphy to to really get at them and, and, and say, right, well, we shot ourselves in the foot in the, the last league game. We're going to put it right and we're going to we're going to show you that you know we're a force to be reckoned with on our day and. Uh, we're here and we mean business and hopefully the the fans will, will get behind the, the lads and, and make a, a, a raucous atmosphere um, before the kick-off and during the game and we, the, the boys can respond to that and and uh, get a result. Well, I, th- I think the, the players must have been feeling bitter after the last league game, you know, two each when we could have been, you know, a goal or two clear to then they go down to 10 men and yet we concede another goal, lose it against 10 men at home you hope that we have the players that have the right mentality to be playing at Rangers whereby that will spur them on to to react and to have a real reaction to really go out um, and and play the way that the shirt and the fans deserve. Pete, what about you? What would it mean to stop the double treble? Well, everything. I mean... (laughs) I don't like Celtic winning anything. I would even hate them winning the halftime uh, auto. But, uh, no, I just, we do, we've, got to, we've got to stop. Certainly got to stop 10 in a row. Or we've got to stop 8 in a row. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm really worried about this one. I, I, I don't think I've been, I hope it's the... I was actually quite confident we were going to win at Ibrox and we get beat. So I hope it's the other way about now that I'm not confident at all in winning this one and then hopefully uh we'll we'll win this one yeah certainly let's hope so are you uh how will you be tuning into the game is it rangers tv for you this week yeah it'll be rangers tv yeah how about yourself david uh, i don't have a ticket for it ross but i might try and get my hands in one touch wood um, i'm usually quite uh, lucky when it comes to getting a, a ticket for hand and so I'll put the feelers out and if need be I'll stand in street corners to try and get a brief so hopefully I'll be there to cheer on a win Right well that's uh, that just about wraps it up for us here at the Jazznet podcast this week what we're going to do to uh, you know if this is your first time listening to the Jazznet podcast we've got a wee uh, a wee feature that we have which is called Sevco of the Week just a nice wee funny feature to end so it's where we troll through Twitter and through social media and, and find the most obscure or most bizarre reference that one of the many Celtic hordes have, have managed to make to Sevco. Either of you guys got a Sevco of the week for us this week? Well, I haven't really got a, a Sevco of the week, but uh, looking through the the, I actually seen a a, a post uh, yesterday uh, about uh, James Doran. He was uh, not going to run for the deputy leader's role because. Uh, he wanted to fight sectarianism, and I thought that was a joke itself. But uh, I went, I went scrolling down to the football uh, as you do, and the paper that it was in, and I seen Scott Brown had asked uh, all the, the the players if they would vote for James Forrest and not him for Player of the Year, 
And then Brendan Rogers, he he actually was backing Chris Boyd to get it. So I was wondering, yeah, they've obviously for, forgotten about Candeos, who's had the most uh, assists, and he, he's probably scored more than Forrest as well. And I thought, well, if it's if, if, if it's so close to call, then Forrest might win it with a short neck. <laughs> no, I think I'd, absolutely. There's, there's uh, I think Brendan Rodgers sticking his head out and saying Chris Boyd should be winning player of the year. That's, uh, that's, it wasn't April 1st that you read that, was it? No, it was, no, it was yesterday. <laughs> David, how about yourself? Have you seen any... Celtic fans making an embarrassment of themselves online this week? Other than whatever they say online, Ross, um, that Kerry Dale fail uh, took a snapshot of Josh Windus's Twitter feed um, where he, he, he posted Rangers and Aki, i.e. Ackington Stanley win today, great day. Um, uh, Kerry Dale Fails obviously took a screenshot of this and sent it to the SFA and that he's in contravention of uh, betting rules so I thought that was that raised a a chortle of five well, I mean it's it's absolutely classic them of constantly looking to be offended and chasing ambulances I'm just surprised that one of them knows how to spell SFA um, for myself I've seen an absolute corker from someone on Twitter whose uh, Twitter name is Genuinely, Bernadette 067. So you, you couldn't, honestly, you couldn't make it up sometimes. Bernadette 067 has noticed that Rangers Football Club have paid for uh, sponsored tweets. So it's kind of on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, it's a way that you can pay Twitter to have your tweets appear on um, timelines of people that don't follow you. So you can kind of promote your material or, or do some marketing, that kind of thing. Bernadette 067 has obviously noticed Rangers tweets have been promoted onto her timeline. And Bernadette has commented, why are Sevco being promoted onto my timeline Twitter? They can't pay you for it as they have no money. So is it because you're also Masons? So Bernadette's obviously into the conspiracy there that Twitter, based out of California, are in the Freemasons. So good for her. Anyway, I think that'll just about wrap it up for us this week. Let's say a, a, a big thanks to, to David Fraser and David Tomlinson, a.k.a. Pete, for joining me on the podcast this week. Um, and also a huge thank you to our, our audio engineer, Graham, who's going to make this sound much better than it really was. Obviously, if you've enjoyed the Jersnet podcast, we're available every week. Um, you can download from various places, including iTunes, Acast. You can find us on Google Music. You can look us up on YouTube. And uh, if there's anything that's been said in this podcast that you agree with, that you disagree with, you want to have a go at us, feel free to log on to the Jersnet forum. Just go to jersnet.co.uk, log into the forum and, and let your thoughts be heard there. You can also find us on social media and, and let us know what you think. Um, obviously, we're a new podcast, so please do... Uh, share the page and, and let people know. Now, as we mentioned earlier, obviously there's been some really sad news coming from the world of football with the passing of Ray Wilkins and, and usually we'd have a wee jingle to end the show. Um, but this week we're going to have our own little tribute as a mark of respect from everyone here at Jersnet. We're going to let Ray Wilkins play us out this week. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you'll all join us again next week on the Jersnet podcast. Dolphin Butcher have gone up. It's launched in field by Stevens. There's Butcher. Back with Wilkins. Absolutely magnificent from Ray Wilkins.